1: It's that time of year, Cash the Ticket, Jim Costa with Mike Valeni, we shift the focus from football to college hoops, getting us ready for the tournament where we're going to break down all the matchups and have an eye on some future plays too. Search Cash the Ticket on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook.
2: Thanks for listening on this Saturday morning. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios. I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. And now we have the pleasure of going to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that is where we find the White Sox assistant general manager in charge of player development in minor leagues, Chris Gatz. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Appreciate you joining us this morning. And I know we want to talk about the minor leaguers and the system and, and player development, but let's start with something that obviously if you're a member of the White Sox organization, you had to think it was worth staying up for last night. When you see a victory like that, one nothing over the Giants, Lurie Garcia comes through, two outs, two strikes in the ninth with two runners on, what potentially can that do for a team?
0: Well, I mean, you, you, first of all, you're playing the San Francisco Giants. Um, one of the better teams in Major League Baseball. You know, we're on the West Coast, um, and sometimes playing in time zones can affect a a ball club a little bit. Um, But Lancelin had a tremendous start, and, you know, we competed to the end. We caught the break with Pollock hitting the ball off the bag. Lurie Garcia comes up and gets a big hit. So, you know, you take a win, first game of a series against the Giants, you know, uh, on the West Coast there. And you hope to take that momentum in today. I mean, our guys are competing, clearly. Um, uh, I think, you know, it's been frustrating not being able to really reel off uh, a lot of wins in a row. But there's a chance that that's about to happen. We're optimistic. Um, But we know this group is staying together. They enjoy playing with each other, um, going through this battle, and hopefully overcome some of the adversity we've been faced with.
3: Chris, always a pleasure having you on. Thanks for taking some time out today to join David and myself. When you look at the, the humidor and you look at home runs being down across Major League Baseball, how impactful has that been uh, on the Chicago White Sox? We know injury has impacted you uh, quite a lot, and uh, you know that, that's certainly a factor. But uh, for a home run hitting team like the White Sox, w- what impact do you think that's had on them, both uh, on the field and, and psychologically?
0: You know, it, it's tough to exactly measure. Um, certainly, there's been a factor—just the, the uh, you know, not not hitting the home runs that we used to, um, or at least impacting the baseball like we have in the past. Uh, but you know, we've been without Eloy Jimenez for most of the season. Yoan Moncada's battled some injuries. Grandal's obviously injured right now. We still need to go out there and put quality at bats together. We're capable of doing that. We've shown glimpses of doing that. Um, and I think as, as we get back home here, getting a, getting a nice, nice rhythm with this team, there's a chance that more home runs will come. But, you know, we don't want to focus on that too much, that home runs are a result of, uh, of the correct process, you know, with, with, within that bat. So, And we know guys are doing that. That's what we're preaching. And I think it's a matter of time before our offense really starts to show what they're capable of doing.
2: Chris, I'm glad you're with us. I'd like you to, if you could, Take us through the Lenin Sosa experience last week because I feel like when he was promoted and he skipped a AAA step along the way to Chicago, there was excitement. And then I think maybe from the fan base, maybe from the media, maybe it was overstated. I don't know, but maybe you can tell us because he comes to Chicago and then it's two games before he starts. And then he starts and you know he leads off. Didn't have a great day. He bats ninth the next day and does a little bit better. And then he goes back. Pretty quickly, once uh, Yon Mankata came back from injury, overall, how do you classify that experience, and what was the thought process in bringing him back to skip a step to bring him to Chicago, and yet it was probably two games before he actually got into the lineup as a starter.
0: So I'd prefer to start with you know the year that Lenin has had. Um, you know, looking at the last couple of years, certainly a prospect that we believed in. Um, we knew that there was more offensive potential in there. And this offseason, uh, he spent di- time at our academy in January with our double-A hitting coach, Charlie Romero. Um, there were specific mechanical changes that he was able to to uh, to make and apply quickly. Um, goes out to double-A this year. And, I mean, he, he was one of the best, if not the best, bats in that league for a 22-year-old. Um, and you look at what he had done, terms of cutting strikeouts, getting on base, in-zone contact, lessened his chase numbers. And and he had 14 home runs. He's hitting over 330. Um, We've got a guy that can bounce around the diamond, can play some shortstop in second, third base. Um, He's got tremendous makeup. Nothing phases him. So when there was a need uh, at the major league level, we look at around who can help us win. Who's got the, you know, what does he bring to a ball club? We look at this guy, this guy, this guy. Lenny and Sosa stood out. I mean, this guy um, can help you in a lot of different ways. You know, he gets the opportunity to come up there. You know, it it played out the way it did. Um, but the way I view it, this is an opportunity for Lenny and Sosa to get a, a taste of, of major league baseball. You know, he 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 stood at second base, he stood in the box, he got his first hit, and you know, he's back in triple A. And, you know, he got three hits his first night. He got two hits last night. Um, so I, for me, as you're trying to grow the, these these players, these prospects into major league players, I thought it was a tremendous opportunity to just to, uh, accelerate it even further. Did I feel like he could help our major league club? I did, of course. A lot of people did. Um, but more than anything, I think this is just going to make him an even better baseball player to help us at the major league level.
3: Chris Getz, our guest uh, for a few more minutes, assistant general manager, director of minor leagues for the Chicago White Sox. And Chris, uh, I guess as a guy who uh, took a lot of pride in his defense and uh, you were you know, a complete player because of that, uh, you weren't a flashy player, but you were a very good major league player. I guess the, the frustration of watching uh, White Sox defense uh, at times is uh, difficult for me. And you hear about it from uh, other people out there. Is that a product of playing too many close games or a uh, defense that's just been mediocre? I think
0: it's a little bit of both. I mean, if you if you put, you know, night of me out there, there's not going to be a lot of <laughs> runs scored. Maybe you don't make many errors, but you're probably not going to win a lot of games. Uh, we've got some, you know, there, there's different shapes and sizes of players, guys that have a, a certain offensive potential and they might be a little lighter defensively. You try to put the group together to... To to really complement the whether it be the, the pitching side, offensive side, um, what have you. So there are going to be times where you're going to be frustrated based on the personnel that you have. Um, I do think it's a byproduct of just close ball games, um, but also we've got some you know lapses out there. I mean it, it's it's a difficult thing to do to to play nine plus innings out there and remain focused. That's that's the demand of the job. Um these guys need to, to they're capable of doing it. They need to stay on top of that um, and just lessen the mistakes. Now, it certainly it shows more when you've got close ball games. can you just you just point to this happened, this happened, and this happened versus a you know a twelve to six ball game where those things probably happen? It's just we're not talking about it. Um, but we need to tighten it up. Um, and and I think we're capable of doing that. Um, we believe in these players. we do. Uh, They've had success before. We've got players that are going to be returning from injury. We have Liam Hendricks that's not too far off. Eloy's down in AAA. He's playing in the outfield, and he's finding his rhythm. He had a couple walks last night. There's a lot to believe in and and a lot to still be excited uh, with this team, and you know, we're we're not even at the halfway point. So um, I think it's important for us to remain optimistic and, and continue to find ways to make our team better.
2: You mentioned Liam Hendricks. You mentioned Aloy, and given your experience both as a player and now as an executive in charge of player development, can you help us understand the difference in approach, or the difference in, in maybe strategy, and in having a player, a position player like Aloy, spend as much time as he is in Charlotte, kind of regaining his swing and getting back into form, whereas Liam Hendricks, a closer. Yesterday when it was announced he was coming back, he's coming back to the major league team. He doesn't need to spend much time as a rehab stint at the minors trying to regain that command.
0: Well, you, you look at the body of work for, for for each player. You look at Liam's case. You know, he's he's played a lot this year. He's pitched a lot. Um, and he really hasn't been down that long. And, and, you know, he's a guy that, you know, you're asking to get, you know, three, four, maybe five outs. Um, when he's healthy, he's you know he's got the experience. We feel like he can he can plug right back in there and help us win close out ball games. Uh, Eloy, we were talking about you know the, the the in the box defensively, the type of injury with his legs. He needs to get comfortable with where his legs are at at this point of the year, um, and he he's he's doing all those things. So um, we don't want to rush him. Um, certainly from a from a health standpoint, you want to make sure that there aren't any setbacks. And then, of course, you want him to be uh, productive when he gets back here. So, uh, you know, last night he, he had a couple walks. He's obviously seen the ball better. He had a home run uh, not too long ago. And we'll continue to build there, get confident in the outfield, and plug him back up here. And, and just having his presence, both of those guys, having them in the clubhouse together, uh, you know, on the lineup card, it, it can do a lot to a, to, to a team. And, um, yeah, certainly look forward to having both those guys back.
3: Chris, you uh... Balance in a lineup is is key. Having really good hitters, as I'm reminded by Rick Hahn and and Kenny Williams many times, is more important. But uh, can can a team win without a left-handed slug in the lineup to uh, you know augment and and to uh, you know bring the potential out of the lineup that's needed on a daily basis? I mean, you guys have been hit by injury with Grandal, uh, certainly, uh, uh, Mancada, uh, you know. Uh, sheets uh, had to be sent down. Uh, the, the left-handed pop, how significant is that in a lineup just to, uh, to have uh, that type of balance to win?
0: I mean, an ideal an ideal lineup, it's it certainly, uh, you know, balanced both left and right. And, and, you know, like you said, having some lefties in the lineup that can drive the baseball, um, it just adds protection. Um, you know, it, it allows you to be a little bit more creative. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you've got to go out there and find ways to win with the, the club that you have at that certain time. And if that means it's going to be right-handed heavy, so be it. doesn't mean we can't go out there and find a way to win a ball game. Um, but, you know, as we always look to improve, you try to get the lefties, you know, within our organization to be able to help our uh, major league club. And if not, we'll, we'll seek uh, s- something from the outside. So, you uh, You know, that's our job to focus on it in the front office. Um, And then you've got the coaching staff and the players that just need to go out there and try to win that night. Um, And, you know, as a group, we're going to find ways to go out there and try to improve this ball club so that they can go out there and um, hopefully reel off some wins
2: for us. Chris Guest joining us for a couple more minutes here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Chris, okay, there have been some bright spots in the minor league system this year. I wonder if you could briefly update us on three guys in particular whose names are familiar to White Sox fans. Colson Montgomery, Oscar Colas, and Yoki Cespedes.
0: Yeah, I mean, a, a Colson. Colson's just had an excellent season. Um, he's on a, a pretty, pretty significant streak right now, an on-base streak that I, I believe is nearing 40 games. You know he for for a guy that you know was juggling two sports, hadn't played a lot of consistent baseball, you know, transitioning into professional baseball, playing every day. Uh, you know, he his temperament, he's so under control, both defensively and offensively. He's getting on base. Uh, he's driving the baseball. Um, there's just no panic um, at all. he's he's he understands that this is a marathon. so, uh, in terms of the ups and downs that, that are presented your way as a as a baseball player, he handles it um, like a veteran. Uh, it's been it's been really fun to watch. You know, we just uh, challenged him with a move up to Winston Salem. Uh, he hasn't skipped a beat, and you know now he, he's playing with Oscar Colas, another player you bring up. Um, he, he's an exciting player. He's got uh, power to all field. Um, Got great hands at the plate. I've been impressed with how he's played center field. I knew he he, he was a guy that could handle the corners with a big arm, um, but he's a guy that's been uh, making an impact defensively. So he have got a you know center field potential. Uh, can move the ball around the diamond, drive the baseball. Uh, just an active, um, competitive player. That it, it's been it's been a joy to be able to watch both Colas and Montgomery play together here. Um, you know, in the last week or so. And Cespedes he's had a pretty solid year. Um, you know, his defense is has been consistent. Um, he's got some pop. We're looking for a little bit more consistency with the bat. Um, big, strong player. He just needs to believe in in, in his strengths. Um, doesn't need to try to do too much, and he'll be able to drive the baseball and catch up to uh, what the pitcher's throwing at him with velocity and moving the moving the ball around the zone. Um, but three three guys that, that that were we remain excited about. Um, and look forward to, to watching it play out the rest of the
3: year. Chris, uh, we know the injury has taken its toll on the major league team. Uh, give us a heads up. Uh, have any injuries impacted any of your minor league players that uh, you were looking to move up? And uh, where where are you at with that right now? You know, knock on wood, we,
0: we're in a pretty pretty good place uh, injury-wise. Certainly there's there's been some guys that have, uh, gone down with um, some injuries and missed some time. You know, Norhae Vera was a guy that, uh, you know, had a, had an injury before, right, right before spring training got started. Um, and we wanted to, to make sure foundationally he was in a good place, took our time. Thankfully he's, he's down in Canapolis now and he's um, beginning to, to build up his workload. And he's got some starts under his belt. It's an easy upper nineties fastball with a slider and change up. Um, you know, we we we've had you know Jonathan Stevers, a guy that you know the the White Sox fans have seen in the past. He had a lad injury that ended his year last year, um, and he's building back. Um, but for the most part, we we've had we've had the core of our our minor league group. Uh, they they've been able to get out there and have have um, have quality seasons, going out there and playing, and and, and naturally develop. So, uh, fingers crossed, we can we can remain healthy. Um, and we can put 2022 in the books, and, and and these guys can move forward and prepare for a championship season next
2: year. Yeah, we're only halfway through this season, Chris, so I think that you know, you know, when you look at things to examine, ways to reflect, I think we might be a ways away from that. But I do wonder, when you see the outbreak of injuries at the major league level, and obviously a lot of the uh, other teams in, in MLB are going through the same types of things because of the, the nature of spring training and how compressed it was, But do you anticipate studying a connection between, you know, the injuries at the major league level and what you might need to do throughout the system in terms of an overall approach or a consistent approach to either conditioning or a regimen or changes that need to be made to avoid these kinds of injuries throughout the system?
0: Yeah, you you certainly, um, you know, when you have the, the load of injuries that, you know, major league baseball has endured, you know, as an industry, I think we, we all kind of work together and, and and try to find ways to improve. Obviously, we've been hit with some significant injuries as well. You look at all the data points you can. Is, is it a programming issue in terms of, you know, the performance team and the strength coaches? Is it a scheduling? Um, is it scheduling throughout the season? Is it spring training? Is it the twelve-month calendar year? Uh, it was a unique off-season where uh, there, there wasn't any communication with our players. Um, we had a, a spring training that. Was certainly shortened. We've got we, but we, we were playing a full season, so there was adjustments to the scheduling. Um, there are a lot of different factors. We we will look at it all, and I think as an industry industry, we we try to fix it, and internally we'll do the best we can to to try to find improvements. Baseball it's a long season, uh, regardless of you know coming off of a a lockout, um, you know coming off of a 2020 that was a unique year. There there were just a lot of um, Unpredictable things that happened. That doesn't mean that we can't make adjustments moving forward. Um, I hopefully in the next in the coming years, things smooth out a little bit, become a little bit more predictable. And and as a high performance team, we can go out there and keep these guys healthy.
3: Robo umpires, uh, your experience watching it. Uh, story came out this week saying it's a matter of time before it comes to the major leagues. Uh, Chris Getz thoughts about robotic umpires behind home plate yeah we we we've had the abs system uh in charlotte so
0: um, we've gotten a fair amount of experience with it um to be honest with you it's it's been a positive experience it it has i mean just the consistency that we've had and, and we've just had it uh at our charlotte stadium and um you know talking to our pitchers and even our hitters they've appreciated the the consistency uh, from time to time, you'll you'll get feedback from catchers, catchers that are, uh, you know, skilled at perhaps stealing some strikes. Uh, they don't like it as much because uh, they felt like they 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 were benefiting by uh, taking advantage of some of the umpires. But as a whole, you look at it, um, there's certainly some positives. I know that, you know, Major League Baseball is um, looking at some some different ways to use ABS. Uh, it's been talked about to have a challenge system. They've used that in the Florida State League. Uh, there's talk of, of using that in Charlotte here shortly, um, and perhaps the, they'll spread it out in the, the minor leagues. I haven't experienced that yet. I think it's a unique concept. i uh, open to it, um, but I'll have certainly a better judgment once we experience it for a little bit.
2: Before we let you go, i got to wonder now about the effect pitch clocks are having on the development of young pitchers and how you know not everybody's Johnny Cueto. Not everybody's able to kind of change the rhythm and adjust it. As easily as he does to he he does that by design. But Chris, when you see young pitchers the effect that the pitch clock has on command, on anxiety, on whatever it is, if they're rushing their mechanics, have you seen that, and what do you anticipate if indeed Major League Baseball adopts a pitch clock as many expect?
0: You know, early on, I, I was fairly skeptical. Um, you know the the first few games that that it was implemented, there 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 was some uh, distraction. Um, and you know, players that felt like they were rushed, and, and balls, balls were balls or strikes were called against the hitter or, or, or a pitcher. Um, you know, but but the players have adapted. They have. Um, I, I do I do think that there, there there's perhaps um, a little adjustment in the time, but as a whole, um, you know, it really hasn't uh, been a deterrent from a development standpoint. You know, resetting both as a hitter, as a pitcher, is important. I think it can still happen uh, within the time frame that's given. Um, the game is moving. Um, you know, it, it certainly caught, cut off a significant amount of time. I think the fan experience has uh, been a positive. Um, certainly you don't want to have a negative effect on the development of players. Um, but I think that that, that that are guys, and and just from kind of watching um, and even looking at some of the underlying Information that we're getting, you know, player. There, there has been player improvement. There has been the fan experience has has improved as well. I think there is something there. Um, and before we know it, it might be at the major league level. We've seen it with guys that have been called up that are now conditioned uh, by this uh, the, this clock. Um, and I, 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 you know, I'm am a guy that that does feel like these games have gotten a little too lengthy. Um, the time between whether it be in the box or in the mound um, has gotten. You know, a little, little out of control. Where, where I do feel like getting on the mound or getting in the boxes can be a positive for everyone involved. Chris, thanks for your time.
2: Really appreciate it. You got it, guys. Have a have a great, great fourth.
3: Yeah, thanks, you Chris. Have a
2: great Fourth of July. Chris Getz, the White Sox assistant general manager in charge of player development and the minor leagues. A lot of interesting stuff there. Colson Montgomery, Bruce, is the number one rated prospect I think in their system, and ha- is having a phenomenal summer season uh, he's I think been on base uh, 37 38 uh, straight uh, games and is just really looking as as good as advertised
3: one question before we go out is Chris gets the
2: next manager after Tony
3: LaRussa is not there or a general manager for some other ball
2: club that's a really interesting question and I think you probably ask it for a reason he's got the personality and the temperament and the relatability that you could envision him being a very good manager, right? And maybe likes the day-to-day grind because he seems like a grinder and he was like that as a player, easy to like as a White Sox player, member of the Royals as well. What do you think? I I think probably executive is more manageable uh, for your day-to-day lifestyle and just quality of living perhaps, but maybe that is a lure that he can't resist
3: one problem is he's got a career with the White Sox in in his role right now. When you become a manager, the next step after manager is, uh uh-oh, I'm going to another organization and starting over again. But I I think Chris Getz would be a terrific manager. Uh, Just because uh, I knew Chris a lot as a player. I've gotten to know him well as an executive. Uh, He's got the whole package. Uh, As you hear and why we like him on the show. He's a great communicator, and he doesn't really pull any punches. He's very he direct. That's
2: so, why Yes. Uh,
3: but But the message is a good message. So yeah. from my perspective, uh, he, he is, with all due respect to Robin Ventura, he is uh, very qualified, more than other managers in the past that the White Sox have hired to be the next manager of the White Sox when Tony LaRusse is done managing the Chicago White Sox.
2: That's a great nugget, Bruce. I hadn't expected to go down that road, but now I'm going to be thinking about it. I'll probably bring it up Tuesday, when back to work, and I will credit you. I won't steal your thoughts. I don't want to do that. because Oh, will, you'll be uh... the first one. You'll be the first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's shift gears again and go back to the Cubs. Their catcher, Jan Gomes, having a pretty good season. Qualified behind the plate, handling this pitching staff. We will talk to him next on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
0: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook.
2: Thanks for listening this Saturday morning. David Haw, Bruce Levine here inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Time now to go to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. That's where we find Cubs catcher Jan Gomes this morning. Good morning, Jan. How are you? Good morning, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate the time. We know you're a busy guy. Let's start with just how this season, how you have viewed playing in Chicago for the Cubs. You've, been in, you've had major league stops in Toronto and Cleveland and Oakland and Washington, D.C. How does Chicago compare as a baseball town, given your experience?
4: Oh, I mean, there's nothing that compares to it, man. Uh, getting the excitement the of coming to the ballpark and uh, getting to witness 30-plus uh, thousand people every game, and uh, definitely something I can definitely get used to. It and uh, been a great time. The fans here are, are amazing. The city's amazing. Um, my family is uh, thoroughly enjoying it, and uh, if my family's enjoying it, I'm enjoying it.
3: Yan, when we you uh you had the decision to make in the offseason. I know you had other offers. Uh, wh- why the Cubs, and wh- what was your perspective about what these uh, two years might look like when you signed that deal with them?
4: I mean, first, it was, uh, it was just a, what a chance and opportunity to come play in, in Chicago. There's nothing like it. Um, definitely uh, pushed that at first. I uh, the conversation with with my family,
3: and it became a very easy decision. Jan, we're having we a little trouble with your phone. We're going to try to reconnect with you. Uh, our uh, Cesar, uh, try to reconnect with Jan so we can uh, get him on a better line. Yeah, and, and he uh, came to uh, the
2: t- in the offseason. We'll try to connect with him, Bruce, and he came here with the idea that he would catch a bulk of the games, half the games, and Wilson Contreras would be able to be a designated hitter more, maybe uh, play – I don't think the outfield makes a lot of sense. It's pretty crowded there. But Jan Gomes was brought to town in order to make you know, Wilson Contreras more versatile, versatile and keep him more uh, rested in terms of uh, throughout the season because that was a problem and he didn't have another option like Jan Gomes offered. Right, right. Well, uh, you know, looking at, uh,
3: at how he's played and then the ascension of Higgins, uh, P.J. Higgins, that, that has given so much flexibility to the, the Cubs and uh, nobody is overworked. Uh, you see Contreras leading the all-star voting again, uh, David, this year and uh, going to round two. He's obviously going to be the all-star starter this year for the third time in his career. And a lot of it is attributed to the depth that they have that position, which was a weakness for them last year. I mean, it was, uh, it was not a good uh, situation where the uh, Cubs went through eight backup catchers in 2021. And, uh, and,
2: and, and now it's a position of strength. And, Jan, as we get you back here, how would you describe your dynamic with Wilson Contreras going through this season and what you guys have combined to give the Cubs, make that a position that uh, they feel very good about?
4: Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to uh, see it firsthand, the kind of talent that Nutty uh, has, and really just trying to uh, communicate as much as I can. I knew my job coming into it was uh, to keep him on the field as much as possible. The kid, you know, he's got tremendous talent, and it's, you know, to fruition this year. Um, as, as much as I, I do get to play or I get to just chat with him and talk to him, um, I'm here to to help him grow the game and just keep him fresh coming in coming to play every day.
3: Jan, you played uh, for some of the uh, the best managers in baseball. Uh, I wonder, you know, you probably have you know three or four years left in your career, but is managing something that you would uh, look forward to doing? I, I understand, uh, you know, you have a great reputation in the game and and. Knowing that you're a great communicator and have all this knowledge, uh, would that be something you'd be interested in, or is that uh, not not a part of the thought process at this point in time? Um, it's.
4: I mean, I, I know um, you know, coming towards the uh, the back end of my career, you start you know, start wanting to think about the the future. Um, I don't know. Maybe being, uh, being part of the game would still be a in 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 my head but uh, uh i feel like um i have a growing family now i want to be fair to them and you know have dad back home and raising them but um if that opportunity comes uh, it would it would definitely be something that i uh definitely would think about i don't know if like the full managing part would be because i like to just be involved in everything and i know managing uh, there's a lot that goes into it and it's not it's not an easy job um, Talking with Cubs. Yeah, but if the opportunity does come, I'll definitely think about
2: it. Jan Gomes joins us here on Inside the Clubhouse. And, Jan, you uh, handled Kyle Hendricks to the point where after every start, he seems to compliment you when things go well. You have young pitchers on the staff like Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson, just to mention a couple. I just wonder, when you approach each game, how different is that approach? How different is, is the game that you will call based on Who's on the mound? Whether it's Hendricks with all that experience, and they call him the professor for a reason, or a guy like Justin Steele or Keegan Thompson, guys who might not know yet how to get that command. How different is your approach?
4: Um, yeah, like you said, like there's uh, there's guys with experience and there's guys with potential. Uh, I think uh, you definitely have to treat them both uh, differently because there's a lot more, uh, um, you know, background from Kyle facing some guys. You definitely want to, uh, listen to you know, his experience against certain people, but also you're, you're wanting, um, you're wanting him to, um, not have to think so much on the mound. Uh, that's the, that what I take pride in my job is to take over a game and just, um, making him trust me that, uh, that I'm, you know, trying to, you know, from whether it's from studying or just viewing things that, uh, that sometimes, I mean, I am making the right call or, or you know, I have a, a very, uh, you know, I trust the call that I'm making based on his stuff. And, I, you know, it's something that it does take a couple of outings. But, um, you know, we, we've we kind of hit a um, a good streak. But also it just goes back to just communicating with him. Uh, you know, we, we tend to, during games that he pitches, we, and I'm talking about Kyle, um, we talk a lot. You know, sometimes I can get kind of annoyed because I just really want to, like, nitpick everything that we're we're going through on the game plan because that game plan can change, you know, from pitch to pitch. But, you know, when you have guys with talent, such talent as, uh, you know, Keegan and Steele, you're really just trying to get them to simplify and really um, trust and believe in their stuff and not trying to, like, you know, overdo it, overthink it. Because, you know, that, that, that can get a lot of... Uh, the younger pitchers in trouble, and, and it will it will maximize what they have. You know, these guys have a uh, you know plus plus pitches in their all of their arsenal. So you're just trying to get them to really truly believe what they have, and uh, you know just be more aggressive and be uh, always pitching ahead in the in the in the count.
3: Jan, uh, your thoughts about uh, the uh, automatic um, umpires and uh, the technology moving toward that. Uh, what would that impact be for you as a professional and as you as a baseball fan?
4: Um, well, as a professional, I think that's going to take away the art of uh, of catching and framing. I think uh, that's been uh, finally being put at the forefront for catchers. Um, guys are taking more notice of catchers that can manipulate pitches better or present pitches better, and which gets a, a cause. I think that part's going to go away from a, from a fan standpoint. um, It's just the human element of the game is being taken away. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of the robot umpires. Um, But at the same time, if that does happen, uh, you know, we're going to have to make adjustments to it. And you know I can go on and on about, um, you know, the, the strike zone and what it's going to look like and which no one knows, but, um, um can't say I'm a huge fan of it, but uh, as the game goes on, we uh, we will make adjustments to it.
2: Yeah, now, Before we let you go quickly, I wanted to go back to the dynamic with Wilson. He is a guy who obviously not a young catcher anymore, but I wonder if somebody with your experience has talked to him about ways that whether it's framing or calling games and just working with him and improving his approach defensively behind the plate. Sure. Um, you know, conversations with Willie um, he is definitely one of the uh, a veteran catchers
4: already uh, he's definitely shown and that he is uh, an elite catcher for me uh, in the conversations that I have with him is just to co- almost cover, kind of um, almost just to keep him calm um, uh, he's a he's an extremely emotional uh, uh, player and there's some times where um, that can get a little bit out of him but his emotions show and he gets better. Um, you know, he's a uh, he's just it, just because because he he cares so much about the game. and You can definitely tell within every you know um, every pitch, every out, or, or whatever it is. He's a he deeply, deeply, really cares about the game. Um, the only thing with catching is that we don't we don't get to uh, hide out there. So there's um, we don't get to take pitches off, um, and not that. Um, Willie has any trouble with that. Um, sometimes, uh, when things are 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 speeding up, he you know he wants to get all three outs all at once, um, and that can get us uh, that can get us as catchers in trouble. But uh, I can tell you um, from I've been extremely impressed with you know getting to to back him up and getting to communicate with him and watching the way he uh, he carries himself. Um, he's truly one of the best players in the game. And as long as you let himself be.
3: Jan, uh, David and I appreciate your time, especially with your family uh, here for this weekend. Thank you so much for making the effort. Look forward to seeing you out at the ballpark as usual. Okay.
4: Absolutely guys. Thank you for having me. Sorry for the, for the little trouble. earlier on. Absolutely. That's fine. okay. Jan. Got, Thanks very much. Care. Jan Gomes. Jan, Cubs.
3: Jan Gomes of the Chicago Cubs and uh, David, uh, that wraps up our show for today. Have a great holiday weekend with you and your family and all of you out there, all our listeners. Uh, be happy, be safe. Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also, I write Cubs and Sox on our website at 670thescore.com.
2: Thank you, Bruce. Another great show, another fun uh, Saturday morning with you. And thank you, everyone, to, for listening. Thank you, Cesar Perez, for keeping us on the air. And on time, thanks to Chris Goetz from the White Sox. Thanks to Jan Gomes from the Cubs. This has been another fun show. Have a happy Fourth of July weekend, everybody. We will be back here, Molly and Haw, on Tuesday morning at 5.30 until 10. Look forward to that after a big, busy baseball weekend. That's it for us inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.